Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. My name's Hannah. And my name's Chris. This is a podcast about exploring the rhythms, patterns, and habits that bring joy and add richness to our everyday lives. From daily habits to embracing the changing seasons, it's not about mindless routines, but patterns with purpose. It's about making something special out of something ordinary. If you're someone who wants to move beyond just being more efficient or productive and instead find ways to infuse your days with small, familiar moments that matter, then you've found two new friends with the same goal. Every episode, listen in as we share a reflection on the role of rhythms in our lives. Join our conversation as we unpack this idea further and then spend a moment with us considering how that rhythm could shape or add richness to our lives today. I wonder what comes to mind for you when I say the word hospitality. Perhaps it describes the sector in which you're currently employed. Or maybe you recall hosting guests for lunch or dinner or game nights in your family home. Perhaps it's more of a feeling that you're filled with. Of warmth, welcome. A feeling you've experienced when on the receiving end of a friend or even a stranger's hospitality. I've been thinking a lot about hospitality of late, when and how I've received it and extended it, remembering back to experiences that have shaped my definition and assumptions concerning it. I remember being hosted in a new city by a family with teenage daughters about my age. I can still recall being struck by the beautiful tablescape branches from their yard decorated with fairy lights on a black tablecloth and then after dinner laughing our heads off as we followed along with old exercise videotapes. I remember more recently the joy of having friends and their kiddos over, showing them the home projects we've been working on and then making s'mores around a backyard fire. I can distinctly remember being in a class at a creative arts camp for young people and having conversations about the difference between entertaining and hospitality. That one is so often about impressing your guests, while the other is about making them feel like family. The catalyst for all this wondering? A book I devoured and won't stop talking about. Seriously, if you've seen me in real life in the past month or so, I've probably told you about it. Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gardara has firmly wedged itself into my thinking and even my living. I'm inspired, to be honest, to find both beautiful, ordinary and crazy, spectacular ways to extend hospitality to those I encounter. Now, this isn't a book review and I'm not even going to be able to offer a very good summary of the book. There's just so much in there that I simply cannot cover it all. Instead, I offer here the ideas and stories that stood out to me on my first reading. They are as I remember them, so please forgive me if I don't represent them with 100% accuracy. I'll tell you what I heard rather than what was said, okay? The author Gaidara grew up in and around the food and beverage industry, leading to him also dedicating his working life to it. But his path took an unexpected turn when he ended up as general manager of a fine dining restaurant in New York. Gaidara writes about how his previous learning and experiences led him and the head chef to aim to be the number one restaurant in the world. And they'd do it by concentrating on the whole dining experience 
rather than predominantly focusing on the food. And it was a focus not just on hospitality. They were committed to extending hospitality, quote, so bespoke, so over the top, it could only be described as unreasonable. So what did this look like? Well, there were some truly wacky and wonderful ways. What Gaidara calls improvisational hospitality. Well, I loved the story about a family who was visiting the city. And as they ate next to a window in the restaurant, the children were transfixed by the falling snow, their first time seeing the stuff. Gaidara's observation of this moment prompted him to immediately send a staff member to a nearby store to purchase four sleds. And following the meal, the family were packed into a cab and taken to the perfect spot to finish their evening with sledding and fun in the snow. Or when a table of diners spent the majority of the evening discussing a movie they'd loved and forgotten about. A DVD of the movie arrived with the check. How about a group of parents who were discussing the ethical ramifications of the tooth fairy and found a quarter under their folded napkins every time one of them came back from the restroom. I loved that one. And then there was the family who felt like they'd packed in every New York City dining experience they could have dreamt of on their trip to the Big Apple, except the classic New York hot dog. Unfortunately, after their meal, they were headed straight to the airport. In response, staff went outside, bought a hot dog from a street cart, plated it and served it to the family. And according to the book, they freaked out. This all eventually led to the creation of a staff position titled Dreamweaver, whose entire job is to pay close attention to the guests and find creative, thoughtful ways to surprise and delight them. But it's not just those kinds of crazy examples I can't stop thinking about. It's also the systems the team created to enhance their ability to extend hospitality at all times to all people. For instance, little imaginary roads and intersections that were mapped out in the restaurant so waitstaff didn't need to use words to navigate around one another. Why? Because even those interactions could bump nearby diners out of an important conversation or a meaningful moment. Or how about this? It was their goal that every diner, even if it was their first time at the restaurant, was greeted by name. That's right, Google and Facebook stalking of the reservation list meant that everyone felt known and personally welcomed upon arrival. The 11 Madison Park team knew that when you design a system, you are designing an experience. And every system was intended to make the dining experience warm and customized to every single guest. Now, I really do highly recommend that you read the book because the way that Gaidara got there is truly fascinating to get a glimpse into. But what I can tell you is that Gaidara knew that to become a restaurant infamous for extending unreasonable hospitality, then that had to begin with his team. His commitment to caring for his staff while also setting a high standard of which they were then excited to live up to meant that the hospitality they became infamous for came from an overflow. The staff cared for their guests and diners because they were cared for. And I think there's something important in there for us. Perhaps our little daily, weekly and seasonal rhythms are systems that create an experience that delight. Perhaps our life rhythms are systems 
that enable us to extend hospitality to ourselves. Like the difference between entertaining and hospitality, rhythms don't have to be rituals for special occasions. Our ordinary, familiar, lovely routines are an act of hospitality to ourselves. Moments like taking time to smell the freshly ground coffee beans before making our morning coffee, or blocking out time in our calendar to take a five-minute poem or short story break on some afternoons. And creating systems and rhythms that allow us to switch into autopilot, turning off the need for constant decision-making, and providing a sense of familiarity and security, doesn't that too sound like a lovely gift to ourselves? What if all of those little moments of familiar loveliness, i.e. hospitality to ourselves, added up and added up until it overflowed out of us? Until we couldn't wait, couldn't help extending some of that hospitality to others so they too could experience moments of delight, warmth and welcome. What if? Hey, what do you reckon if we are in New York sometime? This sounds like fun. Sounds very good. Yes, let's go. Did we go to New York together? No, you went with my sister. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> and your Airbnb, I think, like conked out. The- oh, the night before. We were in Canada. That's right. We were in Toronto and and <laughs> we got out on the app. It was like, you're uh, sorry, you're. New York accommodation has been cancelled or whatever they say. That is like my worst nightmare because, you know, I like everything like all organized and that I know it's going to happen. Like, thank goodness I wasn't. Oh, man, it was a mad dash. But we, you know, we, we knuckled down. We got like, you know, we were inspired by the fear. The problem (laughs) is we had our flights booked. Yeah. And obviously it's an international flight. So on your customs form, you need like an address where you're staying. True. So that was what we were worried about because well, we couldn't land and then go, oh, we've got nowhere to stay, but we'll, we'll figure <laughs> something out. It was yes. like, yeah. But yeah. Have, have you heard that? Actually, I think I've heard Manhattan have like changed their things now. So you can't have an Airbnb where someone stays less than like a month or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Something like that. Someone I follow online is like sort of half living there now. And I've heard about it. Well, so it's a tough, it's a tough place to live, New York. And it's nice that these restaurants are making a, an effort to humanize people and not just charging $20,000 per meal. I'm going to assume totally. that. Totally. I'm going to assume as part of their unexpected or, or what, what do they call it? Um, hospitali- unreasonable Unreasonable hospitality. hospitality that they would be charging unreasonably or reasonably. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I assume for the experience that you have, I'm assuming they're sort of reasonable, but I think for those of us whose favorite food comes from McDonald's, it would probably be a few it, tiers above. It would be high end. Paying. It would yeah. be high end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I love that because yeah, I have also visited New York and I think I really enjoyed my time there. Um, but there is a little bit of like a feeling like this areas where you don't quite fit like it's as mm-hmm. high end um, so I loved reading about this place which I think I if I visited this like fine dining establishment there might still be a sense of like oh I don't you know feeling mm-hmm. a bit fish out of water because yeah. I'm not used to fine dining at all but it sounds like you wouldn't stay feeling that way What's from it? everything they've described in this book that's what was interesting to me because the 
concept of fine dining has that almost a sense of like if you're not in that world and you, you like dig out your best clothes and go into somewhere like that, it feels like high pressure. Like you don't know how to act or totally a- act the part. Yes, and actually, I didn't get to touch on this at all. There's there's so so much in this book. I love it. Highly recommend. But um. The author talks about how he didn't actually want to be in fine dining because it felt really stuffy and actually not very hospitable. You know, there's all this fine dining etiquette. Mm. And so then what he wanted to do as well was make the fine dining experience something that people his age, like people in their 20s and 30s would want to experience Mm. because it was that like quite stuffy formal thing. And he was like, can we not have fine dining that doesn't feel like that, but actually is like a wonderfully warm experience and you feel known rather than you feeling like you have to fit within these like confines and rules. And so again, he like sort of talks about when he was brought on as the manager, there was some younger um, people new to the fine dining experience that he was hiring and who came in with him. But then there were also the staff who had worked there for a long time who were like, no, no, this is how we do things. And this is how, and they, that was the world that they lived in. So trying to bring those two together, he just spent a long time at the start doing that. And I talked a bit of my reflection about how, he was just so committed, him and the chef and some of the other leaders in the restaurant, to showing that he cared for the staff because then that would overflow into the dining experience. And so mm. being able to care for both of those groups of people and bring them together, that sounds like a huge accomplishment. And he did it and made fine dining really cool again. Yeah, well that, that's there's lots of layers to it eh? because it's not just about the food in this mm-hmm. a, a lot of i think probably an older mindset would be that fine dining is equal to fine food like high quality ingredients high quality preparation skill mm-hmm. but this is more of a, like a user's word it's like a holistic approach you know like <laughs> yes. it sounds so pretentious but it is it's it's considering not just the food but the people consuming it and how they they react to it and Thinking about him being presumably, you know, in his 30s and knowing that New York is probably one of the most, like, it's it's quite a, um, it's a grind, like it's a, it's a concrete jungle. Mm, and so yeah. life goes at a thousand miles an hour and you aren't really seen. You're, you're in a massive city surrounded by people. You're just one of the crowd. And so to have a place where you are seen I think it's that goes deeper than just a good experience. It's like a, a affirming experience. Totally. There's that quote I from like Maya Angelou, which maybe it's actually from her, maybe not, but about how what you most remember is how people make you feel. Mm. And I think that that's what they wanted to capture mm. is like how people feel. And of course we, we all have like food experiences that we can recall and rave about. It's a sensory experience, but I think alongside that the way that we've felt the experience that we've had that stays with us as well and I think that that's what they tapped into is if people have a really incredible experience and feel like known and seen and warm and welcome that is a story that you'll keep talking about and telling and And, you'll want to have it again as well and it's great business because that's such a strong association with like 
your restaurant isn't just this place where you had this great meal. It was this whole whole thing. I was telling you before we hit record about this hotel Vanessa and I stayed at where it was very much it was a it was they lent into being small. So it was they only mm-hmm. had six rooms, but it was highly curated. They had like their own smell that they had like gotten yes. specifically made so that when you smelt it, um, I don't think you, you could buy you know, but you mentioned the you know, other places that have done smells where you could buy the candle and take it home with you. Yes, I just watched a show with Chip and Joanna Gaines of Fixer Upper Fame, and they have recently opened hotel, and they did the same thing. They had their own scent crafted, which is like blasted through the hotel. But yeah, in their one, you can buy. Of course, you can. It's the USA. You can buy the candle and take <laughs> it home. But like, I would so do that because I want to take again. Well, we you tried. want to take the feeling with we, you, right? We tried to find it. We couldn't, oh. we couldn't like that. It was, it was only there because they, wow. they do a different one for each location too. Wow. So it's not like they just do, you know, one for sure. all of the locations. It's not the chain smell. It's like that, that only was, that yeah. place. Yeah. They really lent into it and they had like a concierge, but they really made an effort. They would use your name all the time. Wow. Um, yeah. They would host you. There was like drinks in the library. So you could go up and they'd give you like cheese and um, drinks and stuff Whoa. and and they would just chat to you and get to know you mm-hmm. and that was it was totally optional but- so do you think actually do you think that there will be like a return to like actual bnbs and more like boutique hotels and stuff like that because obviously the world we've like really gone to airbnb mm-hmm. and probably most of us are like i don't want to meet anyone i want <laughs> that like Chicken, where I don't need to meet the person, right? Yeah. Um, But do you think that there is going to be, and we're starting to see like hotels do different things to kind of draw people back, but do you think that more people are going to go, no, I I want to be hosted. There's something about being hosted and treated to that experience that you don't get when you just show up at the house. It's just an empty house. Mm. I I think, and this is probably more higher level than what you're asking, but we're society's shifting back towards meaningful connection Mm. and Mm. sort of the wake of social media making everything so depersonalized and so quick that people are actually just starved for for real contact with people which is another one of the layers i was thinking about when when i was reading about this restaurant is that um what could seem like a transactional thing you know pay your money eat the meal go becomes an actual human point of connection. And I think, I think that, and I'm not going to assume that this was part of Airbnb's business model, but this idea that you're going into someone's home is, is a very like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very like, it's it's almost sacred, you know, in a way, like you're going into someone else's space and they're hosting you and sure there's a, a business and financial aspect to it. But there's that sense of connecting with someone else in a, in a deeper and more meaningful way. And I think that mm-hmm. is what is, I think, really interesting about this place is that it's not so much about the business outcome, although I'm sure it is, but there's, a, there's this deeper sense of wanting to connect people to each other. And I think that's at the core of what hospitality <laughs> looks like and what it, what it means for people. Yeah, and I, I kind of talked about um, very briefly in my reflection 
that I have been involved in conversations about what hospitality is. And when we're thinking about like hosting people in our own homes, um, that sometimes people call that entertaining, you know, people talk Mm. about entertaining guests Mm -hmm. and um, the conversation that we had was if you're entertaining, um, you're trying to impress your guests. A lot of the time, you know, it's like often entertaining is about, you might have kind of flashy things, Mm. whereas you can extend hospitality without being flashy and impressive. Mm. Um, But it's more about maybe, Maybe the couch that they're sitting on has some crumbs from the kids and the mug that they get their tea served in has a little chip out of the handle, but the host remembered what sort of tea they like with that tea they liked without asking. Mm. Um, that's a gesture of hospitality. Yeah. But what? it's not entertaining. And I think I liked that distinction between that and there's nothing wrong with entertaining. I think there's a place for that. Um, but I think hospitality is that meaningful connection that we're desiring more yeah and it's not just in your home as well hospitality isn't this like thing that just happens when someone comes over to visit or comes over for dinner it's like a way of seeing the world where you want to make people feel welcome yes and seen maybe not welcome but more more acknowledged Definitely. And I have you heard this quote before? I can, I've never been able to find it, but I used it in a presentation when we both worked together one time mm-hmm. about how like the way people feel after they've interacted with you is your trademark. Ooh, and I think, good. yeah. And so if people walk away after interacting with you, feeling like warm and like they've experienced hospitality, like don't we all want people to feel like that around us? I do. Mm. Because I so value when I have experiences like that. Like I can think of, I can think of a bunch of friends who I always feel like that after I've hung out with them or had a conversation with them. And those are people that you want to spend more time with True. and be like. And not to make this too morbid, but like, you know, those are the stories that people tell at your funeral. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> you and know, like. And that's yes. that's what we've got in the end. We we can't really take anything with us. And for anyone out there who's wondered, you know, what's my legacy after I leave? You know, you might leave money somewhere or have done great things, but really, it's how people remember you. And it's mm-hmm. those moments, eh? It's those moments of hospitality where you've you've made, you know, you've 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 I was going to say inflicted your trademark. You've like stamped <laughs> your trademark on them, and yeah. they remember that. Definitely. So I think that that's why I keep thinking about this book, want to reread the book, have been talking about the book. What's it called? It's, it's called Unreasonable Hospitality. There's mm-hmm. also like a subtitle there, but yeah. I can't. I, um, Unreasonable Hospitality. And I think, yeah, that's what I want my life to be. One of the trademarks of my life to be is that I'm someone who helped other people feel cared for and seen and welcomed and warm. And so, of course, because it's me, I'm thinking about like the rhythms of it. And I've described some of those crazy, um, improvised, personalized, like bespoke ways Mm. that this team um, of restaurateurs. You, you were and telling stuff. me telling me about some of them really creative. Yes, and I've mentioned some of those in my reflection about 
um, how they created these amazing experiences, one-off things, um, and the Dreamweavers were like solely responsible for that. Mm. But also I loved probably what I tell people about more passionately is the systems that they put in place um, to help every person who visited the restaurant be um, hosted beautifully, right? Mm -hmm. So things that, again, I've described in my um, reflection, but, like, they never have to ask for their coat with a little coat check number or anything because there's someone who's, like, watching, and when they see, okay, that table's obviously about to get up and go, like, their coats are brought out so they see them as they go to the door. Like, that's beautiful. Or that a beverage is dropped off with the bill at the end. You can't feel rushed out if you're being offered this, like, amazing beverage to enjoy, right? So every opportunity they have, they are going a little bit beyond, but they had these systems to help them do it on autopilot. So it wasn't all about, like, how do we personalize this amazing, crazy, spectacular thing? There's just things that it's just as natural to them as breathing that they do to host everyone. Do you know what I wondered though when I read read about the, the restaurant is that how do they hire for this place? Because you'd have you must have to have such a good EQ or a, such a good system in place. Well, I think that's exactly as they look for people with EQ. They look for people that who must want to be care okay. for people. They do talk about that as well. Like if someone doesn't know how to do, you know, doesn't necessarily even have experience in that food and beverage industry, but they love to look after others and care for people mm. that they preferred to hire them because that was the bit that was hard to give to someone. But you can train them with which side to serve the meal on yeah. and how to polish the silverware and those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just think how can I like – Surely there's some systems that I can have in my life that help me. And where I started, and I don't want to finish here, but where I started was that idea of the rhythms that are for us are really important because when we have rhythms that are showing hospitality to ourselves, then I think we have enough to overflow and give to others. And I think that that's what a lot of our rhythms that we've talked about on this podcast are, is that like taking time, slowing down, doing the familiar, lovely, ordinary, but lovely things. Like I use, I love this example. I use it all the time. I'm so sorry. I give myself the extra 10 or 15 seconds to smell my freshly ground coffee beans before I make my coffee every morning. That is showing hospitality to myself. Mm -hmm. And when I have those things built in and I'm showing hospitality to myself, I think I'm in a better place to show hospitality to others. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Hospitality doesn't, yeah, that's right. It doesn't have to be an outwards thing only. Yeah. It can be an inwards thing. It can be how you make yourself feel acknowledged and seen and important and all of those totally little ways and again you and i were talking about this just before we hit record i don't want to like not mention it though because i thought it was such a good example is um it doesn't have to be a special occasion to show hospitality to yourself we were talking about the things that we save for one day yes yeah one day i'll use that yeah yeah or candles like i have so many candles and i don't burn them because I want it to be special but one day someone's gonna have to clear out all my belongings and they're gonna find like 300 blank notebooks and like 40 candles that I never got around to burning because I wanted to save like 
Burn the candles. Yeah. Write in the notebox the special ones that you would save. Write in them and let it just be special because that's a way of showing hospitality to yourself. Yeah, I've been saying to Vanessa lately, um, we can't let our one day be someday. Like yeah. it, needs to, it needs to be like we can't just constantly save the potential of a good experience or, you know, going on a trip or whatever it is for someday. Mm-hmm. Because you, you're never guaranteed something. You're not guaranteed one day. You're not even guaranteed today. So for sure, why why not burn the candle? Exactly. And yeah, burn it every day, every morning during the autumn. And yes, it'll run out, but it's okay because you can get a new candle, or there's you can go for a walk, or you know there's other ways to show hospitality to yourself. But I think that those. Like we've talked about on this podcast so many times. We are the Rhythms Podcast. Those things are important. They make a difference to us. And I think to be able to have them just on autopilot so we don't neglect them is Mm. so helpful. I think that's why I love a system. I love a system and therefore a rhythm because maybe a rhythm is a type of system because it provides security right? Mm. So like I can anticipate what's going to happen, which helps me to feel more confident just today at work, like for very good reasons, the plan that I had for the day completely gone out the window. And then because of something else that's going to happen when I go back to work in a few days time, the plan for that day has also been tossed out the window and it's okay because it doesn't happen all the time, but I do feel a little bit like the rug's been pulled out from under me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to know what's going to happen because that helps me feel safe and secure. Also, like I've said, I like to be able to go into autopilot so the need to make decisions isn't there so much um, because making decisions is really tiring. And um, so to be able to go on autopilot sometimes and not have to constantly be making decisions saves energy, creative energy. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's why I love a system and a rhythm. So, of course, naturally my mind's like, right, What are the rhythms for showing hospitality to myself? But also then beyond that, how can I show, have rhythms and systems to help me show hospitality to other people? Mm. Um, And I can put those in place. Like I can decide that I'll be the one who offers to make hot drinks for everyone at our staff meeting, you know, Mm. and just make sure that when I'm like blocking out my time, when I know there's a staff meeting, I can just block out an extra 10 minutes before that and go, okay, I'll, you know, that's one thing that I could do. Or um, what would be some other good examples? I could have, like, I loved this example is um, when guests leave this restaurant, they receive like a jar of granola. Um, and it used to be like a different sweet gift or something. But, you know, people are leaving this restaurant having had multiple courses. They probably aren't ready to also have this sweet. So often they imagined these sweet treats were just sitting on counters at home overnight. And then in the morning, it's like, oh, that's kind of done, like and tossing them away. So instead, they started to give the guests jars of granola. So in the morning, I wake up, I continue the dining experience from that restaurant because now I'm having the my breakfast from that restaurant and remembering the wonderful time I had there, how I was treated like family and so special. Um, so is there something that I can give to people who visit my home? That's kind of like pushing me a little little bit more into the spectacular side maybe if I give them homemade granola or something but it could just be that I go hey come walk with me through the fruit trees take a bag of lemons take a bag of fajolas um that's something that doesn't cost me at all but I can like just make that part of what I always do and you know what thank you 
What's the restaurant's name, actually? It is 11... I have to find... 11 I wanna, something. I want to say 11.54, but that That's is a Wellington it. I just restaurant. had that for lunch. <laughs> did you? I did. Oh, yeah, it was great. The bread rolls from there are my favourite. Yeah, they're delicious. We had... Uh, oh, we had... I was going to say we had pasta. Of course we had pasta. It's a pasta it's, restaurant. Um, it's called 11 Madison Park. Well, that's good Good of 11 Madison Park because they've also removed another decision that you have to make about what to have for breakfast the next day. Exactly. Have you, have you heard of decision fatigue? Yeah, I listen, we, we, I listen to the next right thing and it's all about decision making. Yeah, that's tricky. We, we struggle with um, deciding what to eat. All I the know. Time. What are we going to have a dinner? I've been I on holiday know. with you, Chris. I know. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, that hasn't stopped. We've still struggled to figure out what to eat. Because I think what it is, is we both want to make each other um, happy. Yes. And so we're like trying to figure out what the other person wants. <laughs> but yeah. neither of us are like ready to go, oh, actually, I feel like this or I feel like that. Yes. Well, Vanessa does it more than me, but she'll be like, she'll list 12 things. And I'm like, oh, can you just give me one that you want, just want to do? Yes, um, for sure. But yeah. I, I actually like same thing because I'm trying to serve meals for like 10 people, right, at my house four nights a week. And, yeah, I've talked on this podcast for about how now I have every week the same time that I do my have my click and collect grocery order. So I know it has to be done by 12 hours before then. And then – I've done my meal plan, like the dinners for a whole month. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like that, those decisions, so easy now. Cause I just, on one day I sit down with two family members, we fill in the whole months of dinner, the whole month's worth of dinners. And then I don't have to think about it again. And yeah, yeah. you're right. Like it makes such a difference when you don't have to make that decision and, every day. And it is like you, what you're talking about is autopilot. Um, you know, it's, it's, you do a little bit of work, but then you've got that system set out for the yeah. rest of the week, whatever. What I, what I like about the restaurant though, is there's that sense of, um, there's a little bit of a sense of chaos in the, the way that they, they don't always know what the right piece of hospitality is for the guest. Mm-hmm. So the example you gave was like, they talked about a movie and so mm-hmm. they, they sent the DVD yes. with them to the table. Obviously like someone had to, be th- like picking up all of the cues and then someone probably had to dash out to like a shop and go For and sure. buy it. Like I actually love that crazy um, in the moment chaos as well. Yes, um, I know. And like, of course you want to be part of a team that does stuff like that, right? Well, like, <laughs> yes I and mean, no. I think if, if you're with the right team, because then otherwise totally. it's just destructive chaos where it's like you get sick of each other. But if you're having a, if you had a great team, yeah. And you all got along and you were, you, I think more than just got along, if you were all sold on the vision of what you were trying to do, that's probably a better way yes. to put it is that we believe in what we're doing. And so we can live in that tension of a chaotic moment, knowing that the, the outcome is what we all believe in. Um, mm-hmm. I felt the, the same way when we've done events together, where mm-hmm. the actual putting it together is chaotic and awful in lots of ways, but the the passion and yeah. the vision for it is what gets us over the line. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, and I think, like, you have to um, have lots of trust and, and relationship in there to be mm. able to get to that point where you can do that. Um, 
which I imagine, yeah, with this with this team, well, yeah, like I said in the reflection, like they just had this commitment to caring really, really well for the staff, mm. um, for the team, um, knowing that that would make the difference and that people would come on board and trust them as well. Um, there's so much in there because also then they had all these like areas with people who had like a little bit of like leaning into specializing in the area they could be given an area of responsibility so like often in a fine dining restaurant you'd have someone who's like fully responsible for the wine right mm. well they decided oh there's this guy who works for us um who's like part of the wait staff who really likes beer and so they made him the beer expert nice. and he like brought in all these amazing specialty beers and they became really, really well known for that. They did it as well with someone who was into coffee and had like a connection with someone in the city who was like really into coffee. They ended up having the best, right? Because what they talked about was they had this amazing, you know, food experience and then they just get served like boring as coffee that you could get at the diner down mm -hmm. the street. No, so they didn't do that anymore. They had this coffee guy who like fully changed, and it was just someone who'd come up through the ranks, right? They didn't out, they didn't hire from outside mm. a coffee expert. It was like, well, here's someone who has a knack in this area. Let's go and let them all get all trained up and find the connections, and then grow a coffee specialty in house. They and the one that I just loved again because I love a tidy house. You're just you're gesturing wildly, so I'm obviously obviously you really no one else can see this. But yeah. <laughs> as someone who's was responsible for like um like the glassware and crockery and stuff, and they looked at like how the glasses were being stored and realized that the amount of space was like half an inch too short. And so that's why a bunch of glasses keep getting broken and like chipped. And so they just slightly changed how they stored the glasses. <laughs> and they, um, this person also noticed when the dishwashing area, they ordered these like rubber mats that could go on the benches next to the sinks. They ended up saving like an absurd amount of money by not breaking things mm. because this person had gone, I can find slightly better ways for us to do this. <laughs> yeah, I love those little operational efficiencies, right? And it's all in service of the goal, but that's, mm -hmm. that's so intensely practical too. Mm -hmm. that's, totally. Yeah. And when you're saving money, then they've got more, because another thing he talks about, I haven't said in the reflection, is like be like very careful and like strict with how you spend 95% of your budget so you can be foolish with the other 5%. Mm. And when you're saving money, that really lets you do things like that. Like one example, before he was in this restaurant, he worked at like the Museum of Modern Art, not looking after kind of the fine dining establishment there, but all of the other dining experiences there. And he would look out on the sculptural garden and thought, oh, there should be a gelato cart in there. So he had a friend who had like the best gelato in the city. So he gets this gelato cart going and he decides he wants these amazing, beautiful blue spoons for the gelato cart. You know, these disposable but beautiful blue spoons to for people to eat their gelato with. They're expensive. They're from Europe or something. But he's been so strict with how he spent 95% of the money so he can splurge use the 5% and splurge on these beautiful, amazing sculptural blue disposable spoons that people will use while they're in the sculptural garden at the Museum of Modern Art. And so eventually, you know, it gets all set up and they get kind of the top dogs in the, in the museum to come and eat this gelato at the gelato cart. Well, what are they all talking about afterwards? They're talking about the spoons. 
because they're artists, right? <laughs> and course. so they're like taken by yeah. these amazing spoons. Well, artists artists would recognize that. They would, would exactly see past the the practicalities of it and exactly. see that someone had thought and and that's that's what a lot of art is, eh? It's it's the meaning behind the piece so much more uh, more so than the piece itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I loved, I loved that as mm, well. Blue spoons. All right. So we've talked a lot about hospitality and of course we're going to ask the question, how is that going to look like? What is that going to look like going forward in this next wee while? Hannah, um, you've got plenty of chances to be hospitable to the people around you. Mm-hmm. There's lots of people around you. Okay. So first, I, I hope this doesn't sound selfish, but first of all, I want to think about what's a different way I can show hospitality to myself. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I love like the seasons and we're coming into autumn now here in the Southern hemisphere. I've already sort of started bringing out some of those autumnal touches, like foliage that looks more autumnal. I've changed out the cushion covers and things, but I kind of still need that sensory autumn experience. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to dig out the candles that I've been saving and burn them. Nice. It's getting darker in the yep. mornings and the evenings. I can burn those and enjoy them. Um, so that's a way that I am going to show hospitality to myself. And in terms of showing hospitality to others, yeah, I think I'm going to challenge myself and try and be the person who makes hot drinks for others. I always feel like such a crazy person I don't really know how to make cups of tea or cups mm-hmm. of instant coffee I don't know how to use the coffee machine at work because I just don't have hot drinks like that but that doesn't mean I can't learn and do it for other people mm-hmm. um and I work with like predominantly people who are older than me so they all enjoy a cup of tea or mm-hmm. a coffee <laughs> so yeah. that's an easy way for me to care for others in a simple ordinary way I was gonna say the exact same thing actually um, oh. I we we kind of take turns at work. Like if we're going out for a drink, we'll be like, "Anyone want a drink?" And then it's quite a nice little system we've got. So it's you know, everyone, it's my 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 round, you know. Um, That's nice. But I I really want to learn how to like properly use an espresso machine um, mm-hmm. because the amount of times where I feel like that could be really a really nice way to serve someone. Um, yeah. To to be able to make them that drink because. Um, we we have great chats around a coffee machine when people are making the coffee at work. My my colleague right. can operate it, and so it feels it would feel nice to be the one on the other side of that. Yeah, and, and you know, being the artisan rather than the person who just you know gulps it down. So that that I think mine revolves around hot drinks too. To be honest. Um, if there's nothing, if there's something we love on this podcast, it it's a is hot drink. Yeah. I think that's how we started this season was talking about coffee. I think so. Yeah. Um, and speaking of seasons, um, autumn and podcast, uh, we are closing in on the end of this season. Uh, we had to think about it and we felt that this is a good place to kind of, um, land the plane, so to speak. And so the next few episodes will be a little bit more reflective. Uh, I mm-hmm. think we're just going to go back across our our vast podcast catalog. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, quite a it's lot. Pretty no, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So if you're if you've um, been listening to the show and it hasn't um, started up again and you've just reached this episode, welcome. Thanks for climbing the mountain. But <laughs> yes. we hope you've enjoyed it this far, and we're just going to reflect on some of the things we've learned, some of the journey that we've gone on. And hopefully maybe come up with some new insights, even though we've kind of covered 
the ground already. For sure. There might even be some little behind-the-scenes takeaways, some things like actually just this evening we discovered a better way to record together. (laughs) I I can't even say that I'm annoyed. It's just funny, you know. (laughs) It only took us 22 episodes. Yeah. And so, so yeah, we will, we'll, um, maybe we'll reflect on some of the things we remember about doing each episode and maybe some little bits and pieces about where the inspiration for reflection. I've had that question so many times, by the way, and I was like, how do you guys think of what to write about? Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I don't know how to answer that. I think, uh, we're, we're both thinkers, eh? Both like yeah. To chew we have things. to say that answer, but. I don't know that there's anything magical about it. No, it there never sort of is like a comes to us. Yeah, just, we just live our lives, and then we go, "Oh, that's it." We just live our lives. <laughs> boring. How to live a boring life? Episode six. I think. Oh, that actually, we could also go into like what have been the like top top ranked episodes because that's do that. fascinating. Yeah, why me. don't we do that? That could be a fun fun way to um, end the season as well. So that's the plan for the show. Um, so we're not finished yet, but we are kind of circling the airport a little bit for this season. And then the next season we'll have a, have a real good think about and see if we can come up with some interesting ideas for mm-hmm. that. All right, everyone. Well, enjoy your lovely rhythms. Make sure you prioritize you. Show some hospitality to yourself so that you can show hospitality to others. And we'll see you really soon. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rhythms Podcast. For show notes, episode transcripts, and more, remember it's rhythms.com. That's itsrhythms.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. It really helps us out. We want to hear from you. If there's a rhythm in your life you want us to talk about, or a question you'd like to ask us about this episode or any others, get in touch. You can email us at therhythmspodcast at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram at itsrhythmspodcast. Or if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to use the Q&A feature. See you next time on The Rhythms Podcast.